On April 22nd, 2009, Indy Lee, my guest for this week, went into brain surgery for a life-threatening brain tumor. That day, which was also Earth Day in 2009, is also Earth Day this year. Indy's doctors believe that her brain tumor was environmentally derived and was attributed to something as simple as what she was putting on her skin. That awakening inspired Indy to pivot her career from being a CPA to embark on a new journey into clean beauty. Now, 12 years later, after many ups and downs and a lot of debt, Indy is thriving as the founder of Indy Lee, a clean beauty line dedicated to educating and empowering others to live their healthiest life. Her beauty line can be found in almost every major beauty store from Sephora to Ulta to Nordstrom to Detox Market and more. I am a huge fan of her face skincare products and I actually use them daily. Indy is also a mom of three, a dedicated Jubu, aka Jewish Buddhist, and an incredibly positive and joyous person to talk to. Her story is filled with grit, passion, and purpose. Enjoy. Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, Mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Hello and welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'm really excited to bring to you Indy Lee. Not only do I use her skincare products, she is an incredible mama and entrepreneur. In 2008, Indy was diagnosed with a life-threatening brain tumor that doctors felt could be environmentally derived and attributed to something as simple as what she was putting on her skin. This was her big awakening, and I'll let her tell her story. But after surviving the successful surgery, she embarked on a new journey, Indy Lee Skincare, a clean beauty line dedicated to educating and empowering others to live their healthiest life. Welcome, Indy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. This is so great. I love talking all things motherhood and entrepreneurialism and how the heck we, how we as superwomen balance it. Exactly. And I'm really excited too, because, you know, you're a few steps ahead of me. So I'm hoping to gain a little bit of knowledge from you. So to start, I wanted to ask, what is your biggest mom win of the week? Oh, wow. I did not see that one coming. Big mom of the win of the week. Well, my daughter would say that it was that I let her know that school was canceled rather than letting her get up early. So I won on that one. So that's a big win. My other, I think, big mom win is that I am going to visit colleges with my other daughter. This weekend. So that's another mom when I said, okay, we'll do it. It's fine. We're in board mode. That's fine. We're going to do it. So we are going to Maine on Saturday. We're driving up. We're going to see University of Rhode Island. And then on the way home, we're going to go visit University of New Hampshire. And we are making a little girl's trip. And we got COVID tested and we're in a contactless boutique hotel. But, you know, I feel really bad for her. My oldest daughter is 17. And as a senior, you're not really having those senior moments. Yeah. I mean, 
they don't think there's going to be a prom. There's like, you know, all those things you look forward to growing up those rites of passages and God bless this child. She's done incredible things and really turned her academic life around and gotten to these great schools and she hasn't visited one. And I said, okay, yeah, she's, has she done it all virtually just like virtual tours? Yeah. Penn state, Ohio and Miami of Ohio. And I was like, okay, those are a little bit of a drive, a schlep right now, but she's waiting to hear from UNH and URI. And I said, okay, we could do this. So that's my mom win that I surprised her. And I got this beautiful hotel room with a fireplace. So a little girl's getaway. I am winning on both hands for both kids. Well, then to step back a little, can you give me a little context about your family structure? So I know you have three kids, quote, three kids. Tell me about their ages. Are they at home? You know, what's kind of the situation? Sure. So my oldest is 20, which, oh my gosh, feels so weird. He's going to be 21 in less than a month. And I'm like, wait, but I'm only like 30. How's that possible? (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I feel I'm 49 and I feel like I look pretty good for my age and I'm like embracing it. Like, all right, but I don't, but then I think, oh my gosh, I have an almost 21 year old that I can go to a bar with. And I'm like, what? So I have a 20 year old What are you going to do for his 21st birthday? How do you celebrate 21st birthdays in a pandemic? And he's in Boulder. So he goes to (sighs) CU Boulder. He went back this year. He left, he was there last year, left in March and came home for the rest of the semester and was home from March to August. And he was like, I need to go back. I'm like, I need you to go back. (laughs) (laughs) So he's in Boulder right now. So I, a phone call, I mean, there's not much to do. I'm sure I'll have to spend, send some wine money his way. I don't know what you do. (laughs) So he's my oldest and he's my, my spiritual child, very soulful. He's my old soul. Then I have Emily who is 17, who is in her senior year of high school. Who's my spirited child. She's definitely a new soul, (laughs) but I I think I learned the most from her and for any of those moms out there who have kids who are teenagers and like banging their head, like, is it ever going to change? My daughter and I had one of those relationships and we have the closest relationship now. Like I am holding on to every moment I have with her right now. And, but believe me, I was counting down till she left like a year (laughs) and a half ago. And then I have a nine and a half year old, Samaya, who is in fourth grade and she is not my biological daughter. She's actually my goddaughter, but she's been with me since she was six months. And she is a little gift that basically came to me on my doorstep that I have been appreciating every moment of ever since. So it's nice. I'm not exactly going to have an empty nest like I thought I was going to have, but you know what? It's so great. So at least I have a little bit more left of that fun childhood. Yeah. And then do you and your husband, I mean, I know you have your business, but do you, are you and your husband currently working at home? Yeah. So this has been a crazy year. My husband works in the city. So he is back, I would say three months ago, he started going back two days a week into the city. He works in the post-production industry and I've been working from home. I, for a while I was going to the office like once a week, but I'm by myself and I have to wear a mask and I'm like, wait, I can <laughs> And do you have to do distance learning or anything with your kids too? So my child, my 70 year old is she's self-sufficient. I mean, she's fine. She she runs and goes, buys lunch. I mean, she's fantastic. And she made the decision that until we have a little bit more information on the various different strains and maybe closer to, you know, getting vaccinations, she doesn't feel comfortable going into the schools right now. I'm immune compromised. And we've just been getting too many reports of people in the high schools coming down. And she's like, I don't want to take that chance with you. 
So she made the decision that she's going to try to stay home and maybe in the next few weeks, she'll go in once or twice, once a week. And then my nine and a half year old, she goes in twice a week, but it's a little different because she's younger and she has to wear the mask, like they're supposed to, but it's very restrictive. So we know she's wearing the mask, you know, they, they can't touch anything if they're constantly washing hands. So it's a little different, Right. but then she homeschools three days a week. And are you in charge of that? No, I was oh, last God. year. <laughs> last year was awful. It was awful. Yeah. So how do you balance this thriving, thriving company and all of that? And having even your son at home, three kids at home. It was, it was a disaster. I, I'm not going to lie. So my son was fine. You know, he's finishing taking classes and he, the hard part was he would like go to bed as I was walking into my office. Like he was completely in that college thing. My seven-year-old was great. She was fantastic. And she helped the most with the youngest. She really did because I had to work. But the teacher, you know, they didn't know how to do this yet. So the teacher would like email me, can we get on the Zoom now? And I'm like, like, I'm on a Zoom. I'm going to, I can't leave and go get her. Like, what? Like, there was no structure. And, you know, we weren't set up. Like, we have every, but they weren't set up, not like the district. And I have the utmost respect for the teachers who really, I mean, this was this was talk about a huge pivot, but I was so happy when school was over. Yes. <laughs> and this year she, you know, it's way different and the teachers are so on top of it and really understand how best to do it because they've had some time to really get things together versus just pushing it together. So it's been a lot easier, but oh my gosh, last year I was like, going great. Well then how did your business fare last year? Did you have to make any pivots? Like, and then we can go talk about your yeah. story and all about no, your business. But I, I was listen, just curious, like what yeah, happened I, in the last year with, with your company? I, I always love talking about the company. I, I talk about the story all the time. I'm like, really? People want to know about that? Very lucky. We did it. We had an incredible year. We really did. I just, we, we had growth, which is phenomenal. And despite the, you know, the pandemic, our online sales were phenomenal. The retailers, online stores were great. We really worked closely with our boutique retailers also to see how we can support them. I did probably over, I know I did over a hundred virtual events between March and December. And that was like virtual masterclasses, lives. I mean, it was just all sorts of webinars, just finding ways to meet the consumers where they were in their home. And you know what? I think it was better because I travel. So before this, I traveled probably half the month and I was only going to key cities, right? Where we had the bigger accounts. So I wasn't necessarily meeting virtually consumers from a larger part of the country and internationally. And so doing this via Zoom and offering these master classes meant that people from all over could join and have that same experience at home in their bathroom, all those things. Like it was phenomenal. I think it's been such an incredible opportunity to really create connections where our consumers are. And one thing great too, is I think everyone was like focused on self-care was focused on living yeah. a healthier lifestyle. They were at home. And so they had a little bit more time to focus yeah. on skincare. So I love your product, by the way, Thank I you. have been using your brightening cleanser and oh, stuff like that and your yeah. oil. And it's just I it's love it. great. And because through this also, I've learned a lot about more clean beauty and how, what you put on your skin. Like I never thought about that ever. You're, yeah. I, I think you, your story, you were sharing on every other medium. So I'm not going to like rego have you rego into it all, but just about how you care about what you put on your kids, but you like forget about what you put on yourself. Well, that's just it. I mean, before I started the company, I'm an accountant by like, I 
go figure. I'm actually recovering CPA. I realized I didn't really enjoy it. And then I kind of pivoted, went to the farm to table movement, started doing school gardens. I have a very large greenhouse in my backyard. And then I developed or was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And I wasn't able to do that work in the soil and outside because of the flare-ups. And I started using ingredients and made a little line for my sister to unveil at the baby shower because I didn't want anything potentially harmful or unknown or suspect to go on his newborn tushy. And so I said, I'm going to create this line. It's going to call the botanical baby and I'll make little miniature ones and unveil them as baby shower gifts. And everyone said, indeed, this is what you need to do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like clean beauty wasn't on the scene then. Right. And I said, no, I don't think so. And then I got diagnosed with this brain tumor and <laughs> I'm so flippant about it. I'm like this type brain tumor, but uh, you know, I was losing my vision and I was diagnosed. And the fact that it could have been something as simple as what I was putting on my, on my skin, it was that light bulb went off in the doctors. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my purpose. Like I wasn't realizing when people say you need to create a line for children, this is way bigger. And then realizing that, you know, the industry hasn't really caught up in regulations. We are so far beyond, below, behind whatever Europe. We haven't really substantially changed laws since 1938. And you have to be your own advocate and be more mindful. And by the way, I think you know, and most people who know the brand know, I'm not a, like a scaremonger or any of those things. Like I'm an 80-20 gal. I'm happy. You know, I will wear a Tom Ford lipstick and rock it and love it. And I don't even look at what's in it. Like, you know what I mean? And like, I don't, you have to live your life. Like I learned that the hard way, but you do also need to start thinking about if your skin is your largest organ, take a look and, and decide if the ingredients in the product match what you feel comfortable with. Do not rely on the government or brands to make that decision for you. And that's actually a question I had because, you know, a lot of us hear like, oh, this is a clean product. This is a clean product. Like, how do you actually know? Is there any place you can look to? Are there ingredients that you should like watch out for? And yeah, just how can you decipher through all the noise? Because clean beauty is now a trend. Right. Well, and I would argue that it's not even a trend. It's here to stay. If you take a look at the retailers like Nordstrom, Neiman's, Credo, who is a clean retailer, but like Sephora, Ulta, they all have clean sections, right? They've now adopted that standard and a section of their retail space is dedicated to that. So when you see the Sephora's, the Ulta's and the Needman's and like have that, you know, it's not a trend. This is here. They're dedicating effort and time and resources to it. And then you start seeing these retailers like Olane, Credo, Detox Market, Aaliyah, Citrine, like all these incredible stores that are completely focused on clean but you're right, it's still very confusing because what one store's standard for clean is, is not the same standard at another one's. And there is no, there's no benchmark, right? And it is a little bit of the Wild West in terms of that. So where to go is an interesting, really question. I would say when you take a look at like the detox markets, Aaliyah's, Folanes, and Credos of the world, they're really setting the standard. I mean, I know that between Folane and Credo, they, I mean, they have entire divisions really set up to all sorts of, you know, sustainability efforts, like clean and then clean, you know, which I am so honored to be a part of. And so I think those are a great place because if you see the brands that you like there, that's probably a real, they're doing the work for you. They really are doing the vetting for you. So you can feel confident that the products that are there are good. And then if you see them at other stores, of course, I always say support, but I'm in all these stores. So I'm like, support all everybody. 
everybody. Yeah. Well, I guess like, I didn't mean like a trend, like it's going to go away, but like everyone wants to break into it. And so you see Target coming out with their own stuff. And it's like, how do I know that, you know, the up and up brand that's like clean something or another is actually clean? Like, how can I look at the ingredients and know when there's no regulation? Yeah. So I would say you do look at the ingredient list and you have to do your own work. And the, the way you do it is you can look up you, you can basically use Google as your friend. I I love, I have the, you know, cosmetics ingredients Bible, which you can open and look things up. I also have the, you know, the physician's desk reference for herbal <laughs> naturopathic ingredients. So don't expect you to have that, but you can go and Google. I mean, you have resources and I warn people that this is just a starting point, like the EWG, but that's not your end point. It's a starting point. I think that's a great place to start. But really, when you see things, and you used to say, if you can't pronounce it, it's not good for you. But like most people can't pronounce simondesis shinosis, which is jojoba. So like we have to use these inky, which is the international nomenclature for cosmetic ingredients, which is like Latin and it's it's not, you know, like, okay. It doesn't just say beeswax on it. And so you really have to do a little bit of the digging, but I think the best way to start is taking a look at some of those clean retailers and looking at the brands in there. Got it. Well, let's flash back to, uh-huh. you know, after this brain tumor, you're alive and I know you want to live life to the fullest of every mm-hmm. day. You talk about that a lot. A couple questions. One, how did you go about even starting a skincare line? I mean, like what not, you were an accountant, like, yes, you made tushy <laughs> stuff, but it's like, that's a big undertaking. Like, you know, how, what even did you start with? Yeah, I'm insane. And you had kids I, at the time too, and you were still yes, recovering. They were little, they yeah. were little. So the first thing I did was I, I wanted to pretend like I was Martha Stewart, I think, like a bougie. Now she's bougie, but I wanted to be more like that. And I was just reading everything I could about clean ingredients and body care. And my first products were all body, really. I mean, they were the things that you can make in your kitchen. Now I will say one of our products that I first, my first product is still in the line. The coconut citrus scrub, I I started in my kitchen. It was one of my first products and still in the line today, which is pretty cool. But I had like bath salts and I had body oils and things like that, that I could make and mix. And I was making them in my kitchen. I was like a formulator. There I was, I was trying to figure out how am I going to do this and really read everything and on the DIY side and then started to talk to cosmetic chemics dermatologists, aromatherapists, naturopathic doctors, and really getting a better idea. And then I realized, you know, I wanted my products to also be safe on the shelf and be tested. And we wound up being connected with a formulator slash manufacturer who still work with to this day. And we were off to the races. And that's when we were able to really come out with a little bit more of the complex products, like the brightening cleanser, the toner and things like that. It was working with chemists. You know, you get to a point when you're working with stem cells. This is not something I'm mixing in my kitchen and measuring doses of things. Really wanted it to be done that way. And I really wanted it to be manufactured in an FDA compliant lab and stuff and things like that and have lot numbers and all that. And so we started really early on. I mean, in 2010, I had already started moving to a manufacturer. Oh, wow. And during this time, I mean, you had young kids Mm -hmm. and how are you doing this all? Once you decided you're not going to be making little scrubs in your kitchen, you're going to start scaling this. Like, what was that like? I would say my kids often, I'm not going to lie. My kids often got the shaft. I like to say there is no such thing as work-life balance that sometimes in terms of being 50, 50, sometimes you're hundred percent entrepreneur. Sometimes you're hundred percent mommy. And there were days that I was 90% business. 
the flip side of this is because this was bootstrapped, you know, like I sold my jewelry and then I emptied my 401k and then I went into credit card debt. Like I didn't, I walked before I could run. So it wasn't like I was taking on these huge retailers before I could, but I was still trying to figure it out because I really wanted to create change. And so it was a lot of times, you know, working 18 hour days. Sometimes it was 15 hours days. Fortunately, my kids were in school. So when they were in school, it was very easy, but then they would come home and I would be there a little bit, but I was back down in my office trying to figure things out at night. And so it was very consuming. I, I'm not going to, I don't want to sugarcoat and say, yes, I was frying bacon and making pancakes. And then I was, you know, on conference calls. All no, no, that's not how it went. I well, was like all in. I mean, you mentioned you drained your 401k, you sold your jewelry, having kids, you know, you're, you're responsible for other beings at that point. What was that kind of like internal conversation like knowing that you were going to risk this, but you also had kids? Because I think a lot of moms out there like that would be nice, but financially I can't do this. Yes. I don't necessarily recommend what I did, you know? So the selling the jewelry was, well, I'm dying. I might as well. I can't take it with me. Literally like that. I'm like, okay. You know, I put the things aside that I knew I would want my daughter to have or my son to have. And I just sold the rest. Gold was at a high. And I'm like, I am, I am doing this. I'm So you did this at the point when you had the brain tumor, you weren't. Yeah. I started, I, I started the line and concocting, as I like to say, between diagnosis and surgery. Okay. A month after I woke up from surgery, I turned on the website. Got it. I sold to like my mother and my aunt. Like it was not that UPS commercial. Like you turn on the site and all of a sudden you're a hit. It wasn't like that. It was definitely a slow grow. But I, yeah, I had started, I, I knew this is what I needed to do. I, it, honestly, it felt like a calling. It felt like I was going to live for a reason. I was going to create change. And I wanted to educate and empower people to live their best and healthiest life, whatever that looked like for them. And I wasn't going to get derailed. And so that was, it wasn't, honestly, it was probably irresponsible when I think about it. Like I emptied my 401k and I'm like, but I don't At care. the time you didn't know if you would live to 60 something. I had no had idea. six months. <laughs> right, exactly. And so I was like, I'm, I need to do this. I need to do this. And then when I had this surgery, I, I knew I was like, okay, I live for a reason. I'm, I'm not stopping. And then it started to get a little traction and then a little bit more traction and okay, a little bit more traction. And so it was, it was definitely a slow build too. I don't want you to think like, oh my God, she opened it. And then she was in like Ulta. Uh, No, that just happened this year. So, or last year. So it was a slow build in that respect, but financially it was really, really, really tough. We did not in terms of, you know, my, one of my business partners and my creative director, like there was a lot of years there that there wasn't money. And my, and my business partners and I, we didn't take money until 2017. So that's seven. pretty much seven. Yeah. Yeah. Was that there was ever a point in those seven years that you thought maybe we shouldn't do this? Yes. I will. I always am very honest about this. It was probably towards the end of that year. Like in 2016, I was like, if we don't go for funding or we don't have something change, I can't continue to do this. I need to figure out how I'm going to pay off debt. And I have children who are looking at college. Yeah. I need to do something. I was very fortunate that my husband has a solid job and was able to, you know, we were able to scrape by and get and go to a lot of debt. But it, it was, yeah, it was one of those where I was like, I, I can't. And then I literally said to the universe, I need help. 
Like, can you please help me? I, I need help. Send me a sign. It's going to be okay. As the story goes, like a month later, I get an email and it's some, and I was getting a ton of people from the private equity who would reach out, but I was like, no, this isn't the right thing because it wasn't about just money. It was about know-how. It was about how to do this industry. I didn't come from it and had that experience on scaling. I get an email and it says, hi, my name is Lori Perella Krebs and I'm working with this private equity firm and this is who I am and XCO, Federico Kai, the whole thing. And I don't know, I just loved her email. And I, she said, you know, would you be willing to have a talk? And I wrote back, I said, yes, I'd love to. And she said, okay, let me know what time works for you. And I said, how's now? And we got on the phone and I think we met two months later. And then we kind of, I would say like, dated, like we're trying to figure it out. And in May of 2017, they invested in us. Wow. I love that you asked for help that you like finally put it out there because I think that's also something like whether in your business or you're a mom, you want to have that ownership that you're afraid to ask for help. And so I love that you just put it out there and all of that kind of came. Oh my gosh. I'm a big believer. I'm very woo-woo, very woo-woo. And I really do believe that sometimes you have to surrender and say, I can't do this by myself. And I do think a superpower that people don't realize is a superpower is asking for help. That is not a weakness. That is a strength. It is one of the hardest things I think as women to do. That is very true. I think like a lot of the moms and entrepreneurs that I've interviewed, that is kind of what the number one thing that differentiates them besides like a strong morning routine or, you know, those sort of things, but is the ability to ask for help, whether it's help in your business, whether it's outsourcing childcare, whether it's asking, asking help, outsourcing, delegating, whatever that is, but it's putting it outside yourself and not feeling guilty about asking for it. Well, and that's it. And you know, it's so interesting because when you look at research, it says people want to feel that they are of service, right? That's a that's like a need. People want to feel helpful. So if we have the large part of population feeling that they want to be of help, why wouldn't we feel comfortable asking for help? But we're willing to give help. And so it's one of those really interesting things that I don't know where it happened in society where it was looked frowned upon, but I'm all for it. Like, I have no problem saying I help. I need help. <laughs> you mentioned you you're like really woo woo. Were you always this way or was this something that like your life changing moment changed the way your perspective on the world? So I've been a practicing Buddhist for over 20 years. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah. So that woo woo side was there. It gained some sparkle, certainly after dying. The day I was diagnosed, it was November 4th, 2008. I remember the day like it was yesterday And when I was going to the doctors from when he told me on the phone, you have a brain tumor. And I said, I'll see you in 15 minutes. My life changed. Then I got, then woo woo was put on steroids because I realized for 37 years, as I'm driving, I was like this passenger in my life, checking boxes of everything I had to accomplish and wasn't actually living. Mm. Like you kind of going through the motions, but you're not there. You know, I had glimpses of being present, but I wasn't passionate about my life. And I made the decision on that car ride that every day from that day forward, whatever I had left, I was going to live passionately with purpose and be fully present in every moment. And I have to say, I'm doing pretty well. You know, we're, that was 2008. Now we're in 2021. And yeah, I have bad days. I believe that bad days are very helpful because you know what a good day is when you experience a bad day. But I am, I'm really like, I'm 
flying that freak flag of being woo-woo. And what are your favorite woo-woo practices or what are your favorite things to do every day? I am a meditator. So I meditate every day, twice a day. I journal. I do affirmations in the morning. I read every morning for personal development as well. So I have been actually getting up and, and I chant. So I am like, a, my Buddhist sect is the nam Ho renge kyo that like Tina Turner, that is the okay. I, I follow. And so I do chant as well. So I've got a lot of tools in that toolkit for mindfulness at this point, but the meditation started after surgery. And I mean, I journaled before that, but it got even more serious and I would say everything even up the ante this sheet, the 221, 2021 even amped it further when I said, I'm now going to get up even earlier. What time do you get up in the morning? Now I'm getting up at five. Ah, I get up at I think five that, is, that is about the average time, ironically, that most of my guests I ask, I'm like, oh, what time do you get up? Some 445, some 530, but five is around the average. Yeah. Think about it. Like I have several hours to myself. And I've been really good this year about setting boundaries too, about I'm not going to check my email so early. It's not as soon as I wake up, I'm giving myself that time. If I say I want to grow, I need to plant the seeds and water them. And what I realized was I was like, I want to grow, but I wasn't doing that work. And so the reading, the visualization, that's the work I need to do in order to grow as, as a human. What are some of your favorite resources or things you turn to? Like, do you have a meditation app? Do you have like a favorite book or any sort of thing to help in that practice? Yeah. No, I wish I do transcendental meditation. Uh, so I have a mantra that I do. TM uh, is that like black box of where I still to this day will never know what it is. It's like, once you enter TM, you know what it is, but you can't talk about it. It's like fight club. Uh, right. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. Here you go, readers. It is meditation for about 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. And everybody gets their own distinct, I think, for all that we're all chanting the same word, but mantra. And it's based upon your time of birth and blah, blah, blah. And they're given to you. And, and that's what you chant. And that's basically what how it works. And for me, it was just so I can, I needed something to say, yes, it will work. And I needed that, that little oomph. And so I invested in it to make sure that I was doing it. And I, I it really has changed my life for sure. Wow. <laughs> so that, I think that's a big resource. Okay. So I wake up at five and then I, I, I have to start adding exercise, but I haven't yet done that. But I also, and then I love to read and I was, I was like, oh, I'm happy to make time for read, but I reading, but I wasn't doing it. I was doing it at night and I was exhausted. And I fall asleep with the book on, you know, in the first paragraph. And I'm like, this isn't reading. And so I'm, I, I mean, I'll read anything from The Alchemist to I'm really loving Jay Shetty's Think Like a Monk. I'm loving it. Shout out to Jay Shetty. I like followed him before he was even big. And he spoke to me as, as another Buddhist, uh, you know, spoke to me. And I only wish he actually spoke to me. Like I have so many questions, but I decided I was going to rent the book, get the book. So I put it on my iPad and I so enjoyed it that I then bought the audio book, Audible. Yeah. And so I'd listen and then li like I'd listen and read along. So I'd have his beautiful voice in my head. 
And then I was like, but I like to write in my book. So now I bought the freaking book. So now oh I'm- Oh my goodness. So Jay Shetty got a ton of money from you. Wow. <laughs> yes. I like, I, this, that was the first time I've ever done that. I was like, oh. What? I was going to ask, what got you into Buddhism? I So my grandma was actually a Buddhist priestess. The house we live in now used to have a Buddhist temple in it. Oh now it's gosh. our playroom, like <laughs> converted. But yeah. And so I was curious because like I'm half Japanese. And so she was a Japanese Buddhist priestess. And so I'm curious how you got involved. So it was before my son was born and I was, my mother's Jewish, my father's Catholic. And so I was brought up kind of both, but then kind of lost, I wouldn't say lost my way, but kind of like wandered from it and said, you know, I had issues, whatever. I was more culturally Jewish, I would say, than spirit, than religious. And I felt like there was something missing. And I was always been very interested and I always loved the Buddhist philosophy. And I said, I really need to find out more. And I'd started to reading some books and whatnot because the internet wasn't even that big. Then. <laughs> like, this is going back. I'll never forget. I had a coach, an executive coach. And he said, you know, do you have any spiritual practices? Because we talk about my journaling and whatnot. And I said, well, I'm looking into something. I think I might find something because he goes, because I think that would really give you part of that self that you're looking for. I said, well, I'm looking into something. He goes, oh, what are you looking into? I said, I don't want to tell you because I don't, I have to do the homework and I don't want you to think I'm crazy. And he said, I mean, you're coach, like therapist, right? Well, I'm not going to think you're crazy. And I said, I'm looking into Nisha and Buddhism. And he goes, and he starts laughing. I go, I cannot believe I like <laughs> just bared my soul and you're laughing. And he said, I've been practicing for over 20 years. Wow. And I was like, what? And yeah, he used to practice with Tina Turner and Patrick Duffy. So it's very interesting. So long story short, he connected me with one or two people who were local to me. And um, yeah, I started practicing and that was it. Wow. And you still then do to this day. Yeah. I have a, I have my altar right outside my door. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I, I, love, I love that. It. Do you involve your kids at all with it or have you? Yeah. They used to chant with me a lot, my son specifically. And it was so funny because he also went to Hebrew school and I would get calls from the rabbi. Like, <laughs> like I know, I know. He's like, first, you had this whole thing about Santa. <laughs> And you sent in a ham and Swiss sandwich. It wasn't me. It was the nanny. Oh, and now he's having this conversation about Buddhism and telling me I need to chant. I was like, I'm so sorry, Rabbi. And the rabbi and I were very, very, very close. So we'd have these laughing moments like only me. I was treasurer of the temple. And it was just so funny. I, yeah, I'm truly, a, I'm truly a Jubu. And Jubu, I love that. I feel like that's kind of my kids. My husband's Catholic Jewish. And then I'm, I don't know, Catholic Buddhist. Yeah. So it, I love so that funny. Jubu. Yep. And so, but you know, my kids were raised, I would say culturally Jewish. Jacob went to Hebrew school, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, they're more spiritually minded, I believe I would say. Did you involve them at all too in your business when you were building it since they were a little oh. older? Did they help like- box oh, things yeah. or stuff. Oh, stuff. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm pretty sure labor laws were broken. <laughs> I was like, Jacob, I need help labeling things. Could you please, I'll pay you 50 bucks. Like this, this, so oh, funny. He was home this obviously from March to August. And we had to send, you know, we're doing all these master classes. I'm like, I'll pay you 50 bucks if you could just stuff these envelopes with sachets. He's like, oh, well, make it a hundred. I'm like, Jacob, just stuff the envelopes. <laughs> so they still, they absolutely do. They are so, it's so nice because they're so proud. They've come with me to events and it was so cute because they'd never come. 
Emily would come with me to events and watch and whatnot. And they were mostly like selling at various different like trunk shows. And then they'd never see me like at a Nordstrom trend show with them on a stage when there's like 500 to a thousand people. And I'm like, and I'm Andy Lee, you know, they'd never seen that. So I had them both come with me. Jacob did it in Colorado and Emily, I flew her out to Chicago with me. And they were like, oh my God, mom, I had no idea. <laughs> and they came to one of my master classes. They're like, well, this is an elevated experience. And we didn't know. And they're like, you sit there and you captivate people. I was like, thank you. <laughs> it was so cute. So now they're like, they're like, oh, you're legit. So I'm like, thanks. They noticed I was verified on Instagram first. Really? Yes. Were they well, like, Emily wow, did. my mom might be cooler than we thought. Yes. Oh, yes. My, my daughter's funny. She said that she'd gone to school and somebody had a blemish stick or a banish stick with. She's like, oh, my God, Indy Lee. And the girl's like, yeah. She's like, she's like, yeah, you know the brand? She's like, oh, that's my mom. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I scored points on that one. <laughs> that's incredible. What is your favorite product? I recover mind and body gel. Okay. I'm going to have to I know people are like, What? So I, like I said, I have rheumatoid arthritis and it is a thermogenic gel. So it's like got that warm and cold and it's got Mm -hmm. menthol, eucalyptus, lavender, bergamot. And it is just the aroma from it is so uplifting. And like, really for me, I I'll just breathe it in and I just go. (sighs) And then the thermogenic properties of it. So helpful for me. And it's great on muscle fatigue or like when I have a stress headache or now that we're sitting on Zooms, like put it over here. I put it on my temples. It is everything. I feel like everybody needs to have it. I have one in my office here in the office in Rye. I have one by my bed. I have one in my car. I have like, oh yeah, you can't have enough of those. Perfect. Well, I want to keep talking, but I will wrap this up. To- <laughs> I was going to ask my, one of my final questions is what is your superpower that you gained once you became a mom that helps you in business and life, whatever that is. Wow. That is a great question. Superpower I had. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's, it's one that a lot of mothers, I can hear my son sneezing in Colorado, like the uncanny ability to hear things that nobody else hears. I'm like, up. Oh, I, kids are up. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's helping me in business, but I become very attuned to my surroundings, but it's so interesting. Like that is definitely a superpower. It's like a sixth sense. It's your intuition, which I think yeah. leads to your spiritual yeah, I think side. So. so I think maybe strengthening your intuition. Yeah. Because let's I don't put know it that how way. many CPAs, no offense to the CPAs out there. I mean, I None. was an engineer. I, I get the numbers thing, but I, I don't see a lot of analytical people with a strong intuition. So <laughs> no. And that is like, I live by my gut. So yeah, it's very interesting, but yeah, you know what? It's so many, you know, it's also when I realized to learn to ask for help was when I had my kids, I realized I couldn't do it by myself. And to say, yeah, that, that is, and that is one of the things I always say is my superpowers. I ask for help, but that was when I had my, my son, I was like, I can't do this. He's not sleeping. I need help. Well, thank you so much. Where can we find you online? Indylee.com. And then our brand Instagram is Indie underscore Lee. And I'm always on there. And then I have my personal one, which is just at Indie Lee on Instagram. So, and I'm on Clubhouse at Indie Lee too. Oh, what are you talking about on Clubhouse? So I've had a couple of really cool ones. We're doing every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're doing like a uh, beauty gurus connect and uh, we get in there and we, we have another, to- you know, a new topic every month, every week rather, where we're just talking. So it's with this woman, Elizabeth Molina, who's a powerhouse TED talker, TEDx talk speaker. 
And then Cassandra Bankson, who's got like 1.4 million subscribers on YouTube too. And the beauty. And I mean, it's really cool. So that's a lot of fun for me. And I just love going and listening to other people speak. I think it's, I think Clubhouse is a very interesting app. It's it's exactly. I was going to say it's very interesting. It's still in the wild, wild west, the, the frontier. I think there's a lot of noise you have to, literally noise since it's audio, you have to filter through. I think there's, I've I've had mixed feelings. I've been on and off, on and off. Like some days I'm like really excited about it. And then some days I'm like, I can't listen to another bro try and sell me on like a $15,000 mastermind. That's, it's all these mastermind classes and these funnels and things like that. I'm like, how did I get into these rooms? Like what? I'm looking, I'm like, no. But if you can cut the clutter and find some people that you really enjoy listening to, like I've been in rooms listening to Guy Raz, who, you know, the How I Built This podcast, which is fantastic, or when Elon Musk got on. And, you know, we recently had from the White House, Kamala's, I think, press secretary, like just incredible things where you can go and actually listen to those. I, it's sort of like a live podcast. So I, I love that, but I just can't listen to some of the salesmen. It's like, come on. And, and I was going to ask, when are you releasing, speaking of talking and podcasts, I know you have a podcast yourself. I do. I do. So I just, it's so funny. I just taped, I guess it's called the third episode today. And I've got to do a lot more planning to make it really kind. Like, okay, I'm doing it this year. I'm doing it this year. And it's just, it's a lot, but I've made the decision to hire someone to do the editing because FYI, I was doing it. You were, I don't even oh, do yeah. my own editing. No, yes, yes. that is something you ask for help. You for sure yeah, outsource. It's not like, time value money here. Like Fiverr or Fiverr. I had no Fiverr, idea. Yeah. yeah, I was like, wait, I can I can have someone do this for 50 bucks? Like what? <laughs> so, yeah. Outsource that. Yeah. That is my number yeah. one. I'm like, I don't care. Just outsource that. Outsource anything that's not in your realm of expertise. It's, it's going to take an hour of your time and you can spend that doing something else where you're either making more money or build, doing something else or spending with your kids. Do that. I agree. So that's my big thing for this year is doing that. So I can spend more time recording. Yeah. So we'll, well see. For, well, thank you so much for joining today. This was incredible. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.